it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, early edition from now until 9.30. Illini game day at 9.30. Illinois basketball coming up at 11 o'clock against Michigan at the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor. We'll talk a lot about that ball game, a lot about uh, Illinois basketball, and the phone line is open, 356-9397. Lauren Tate is here. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. One Big Ten game last night. Purdue bounced back with a win over Wisconsin, 70-51. to More on that uh, coming along. But uh, the big news that hit kind of late yesterday afternoon involving uh, the Illinois basketball family was the passing of former Illini basketball player Robert Archibald at the age of 39. That uh, kind of sent uh, shockwaves Lauren through the, the basketball community. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody I – mean, we saw – Arch last year at a at a ball game here, as I recall, and he looked great. He's six foot eleven, strong and handsome, and you know just uh, looked like the perfect in perfect health. But uh, this is this happened, and and I don't know what to say about it. It just takes your breath away. He's one of the kind of unique personalities to come yes, along through was. Illinois basketball over the years. Uh, born in Scotland, played his last uh, year of high school ball in uh, St. Louis at Lafayette High School. Was recruited by. Lon Kruger back in 99, and he played here in 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002. Played on two Big Ten championship teams. That's right. His last two years, they were championship teams under Bill Self. And uh, he was the first, uh, that junior year, he was kind of the alternate for Cook and Griffin. You remember, uh, we had the three guys from Peoria at that Mm time, McLean, Williams, and and Griffin, and they were very good. And, of course, as as you mentioned, they won the Big Ten championship that year as juniors, and I think they were 15-3 and that year. And uh, he he came off the bench, and he was – he averaged seven, eight points a game, something like that. He he was a very valuable reserve and played a lot in those days, not not quite 20 minutes a game at at that time. But the next year, as a senior, he was a regular with Cook because uh, the Peoria uh, McLean was gone and Griffin was gone, so – they uh, and of course Williams was back that year. He was a year behind those other guys, so he uh, he was a, a big factor. And, and of course, you remember the last game when they lost to Arizona uh, when he was a junior. He got in the game and scored 25 points. I remember that. And then of course he had a real solid senior year, although he was not the scorer that Cook was, of course. But he was a really valuable player and a good rebounder and a tough defender in the post. He's a guy that, and we could say this about several guys as you look back through time, but he would have really benefited from a redshirt year. He and Kripalia, if they had redshirted yep. in 2003, Illinois would have been really good. Yes, they would have. <laughs> because uh, Kripalia, if you remember, sat out eight games, and then Kruger said, well, we just got to play him. He's leading our team in rebounding and practice. We got to play him. So they, he played both Archibald and Kripalia as freshmen. And that, uh, in the long run, that would now anymore you don't do you don't register many people because the guys don't stick around that long anyway. But those two would have probably, I think. In that game you mentioned against Arizona, he scored 25 points in 24 minutes before 
fouling out like everybody else did on he the He did <laughs> foul out a few times, didn't he? <laughs> he did, but five other guys in that game fouled out too. Yeah, you ain't kidding. What was that number? What is the number? 36 fouls or something. Yeah, I, I can't remember. There's something like. It was 86 81, the score, and Illinois was whistled for 36 fouls in the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the games that. Uh, that Lou Olson didn't like Lucas Johnson. Yeah, well, he... By the way, it was Lucas Johnson that kind of broke the news about Arch yesterday. Yeah, uh, he was the first one that mm -hmm. I knew that, that knew about it yesterday, and it's, uh, boy, it's a blow. If you have any comments on that, feel free to jump in, 356-9397. One of his, one of Arch's teammates, Sean Harrington, will join us coming up in just a few minutes to talk about his friend and former teammate and talk some college basketball as well. Also, at about 8.30, Brad Sturdy will join us. We'll hear from Coach Brad Underwood as we move along, as we get set for this uh, ball game today. Also, uh, Georgie Bashanisvili and Kofi Coburn with comments on Illinois basketball. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will touch base with us a little bit later in the show. Again, we go from now until 9.30, and then the Illini game day hits the air then, and then we're right into an early Illinois basketball game at Michigan. We mentioned... Purdue finally, uh, maybe Illinois woke up the Boilermakers the other night, huh? Well, it's just as strange the way this league goes. But for the most part, it's been home court routes. And this was a route. Wisconsin was never in this game early. They were they just got blown out. It was 41 to 17 at one point. 17 and a half. Yeah. 17 points the first half. And I, it just kind of, you just can't figure it out. Why, why Wisconsin, which is a pretty solid basketball team, um, Performed the way they did in that game. They just couldn't get off the ground. So Purdue improves to four and five. Wisconsin drops to five and four in the league. Illinois with a chance to, at least for the moment, take over sole possession of first place if they can pull off a win today. Other news of the week was the uh, two-game suspension to um, Alan Griffin for that uh, incident at the West Lafayette on Tuesday night. Your thoughts on that? you think that was fair? I I thought it was a little strong, but I, I can't do, you know, I can't argue with it. I probably, maybe I would have given him one, I don't know, I guess twos. You got a new commissioner, he's trying to set a, a pattern for his uh, program, and you had the, the Kansas-Kansas State thing happening the same night, and when the commissioner came out with his statement that he didn't want anything to, his uh, statement that something could have broken out, and he was referring to Kansas-Kansas State without mentioning it, and I don't think there was any possible, you know, at what we saw, there were, nobody reacted at all in in, no. in this game other than he did step on Sasha. And he didn't did, stomp on him. He just stepped on him. Right. And, uh, and the players were all going the other way. Yeah. So really, a lot of nobody people didn't see didn't it. didn't see it. And, and I just, um, I guess it's a good rule, uh, two two games, but uh, I suppose it's appropriate. But it's it's a little strong. I've told people that, uh, or not, I haven't told people, I've heard from people that said what you're saying. I've also heard that, that it should have been more. Well, so, everybody's know, got a different opinion, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Everybody's got one. Here's what uh, Brad Underwood had to say uh, yesterday in talking with uh, some members of the media. Except I don't have it hanging on in just a minute. We'll get that for you. But he, he was a little surprised that the... Well, the, I don't think he knew it was coming. No, because there was no news the next day. No, and nobody contacted him, and nobody brought it. He just, uh, uh, Warren just made the decision in Chicago on his own. Yeah, that was a little bit unique. 
we'll get that cut for you coming up here uh, shortly with uh, Brad Underwood. Um, some other uh, basketball today, Illinois, 21 ranked in the country now at Michigan at 11. Nebraska plays at number 24, Rutgers at 1. Those are the only two Big Ten games today. Three tomorrow, number 17, Maryland at Indiana. Number 11, Michigan State at Minnesota. And Ohio State plays at Northwestern tomorrow. We'll take a look at the uh, Big Ten standings as we move along. Some other notes here as we get moving on uh, Saturday Sports Talk. Illinois Tennis opened the season at home with a loss. Yeah, they got the 1-2 wins from Kovacevic and, and Brown, but uh, didn't get the, you know, those the number six and number five count just as much as one and two in, in tennis. And, of course, they lost the doubles point again, and that always puts you at a disadvantage. Gymnastics. I say again, it just seems like we've been saying this for years that the doubles point has been very difficult. It really for is. And uh, Illinois tennis, this is in the ITA kickoff weekend over at Atkins. They'll take on Texas Tech today at 1 o'clock. Gymnastics, men's team lost at Minnesota. The women's team plays at Minnesota. High school basketball, if you want to check up on scores in that, check out uh, the News Gazette, News Gazette this morning. A lot of high school coverage. Urbana beat Centennial. 66 to 60, one of the games that they covered there. We'll take our first time out on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mallory Cerulek from Clinton High School Basketball. Mike Kuhn has every Illini women's basketball game right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Welcome back to the show, everybody, as we move up towards 813 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 930 Illini game day at that time, Illinois and Michigan on the road at 11 o'clock this morning here on DWS. We welcome to the program our friend Sean Harrington, former Illini basketball player, now a Big Ten, or rather a TV basketball analyst for the ESPN Network. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Good. We uh, had scheduled you on to talk about uh, Illinois basketball and college basketball and then the news about one of your former, former teammates, uh, Robert Archibald, that broke late yesterday afternoon. So, We'll start with that. And you played with him for a couple of years here at the U of I, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Three three years, and uh, I'll try to get through it with you guys. It's it's been a really hard twenty four hours here for us, and um, you know, Arch is just uh, an incredible teammate. Um, really wanted to come on just to share some stories with him because of what he meant to the program, what he meant to us as teammates. Um, you know, Arch was larger than life, and it wasn't just because he was six eleven. Um, he was, uh, always had a smile on his face and, you know, really the, the life of the party and, um, you know, everybody wanted to be like him on the team. Uh, everybody wanted to go out with him afterwards. And, uh, I just remember after big wins, you know, we'd be in the locker room celebrating and, uh, you know, the, the next question was Arch, where are we going? And, yeah, he, he was the one that knew where to go. That we'd all have a good time. We'd all hang out together. Uh, I was lucky enough that he let me tag along for uh, for three years. He was a year older than me, um, so he he really took me under his wings for those three years. And uh, just to be able to to be with him was uh, so much fun. And uh, hell, I tried to do my hair like him senior year, and, and that didn't work out so well. He had uh, he had an art of perfection on the top of his head, and um, you know that was Arch. He just uh, always looked great, always had a smile, always knew where to go to have a good time. Um, and, and so we'd love to be around them. We'd love to be like them. Uh, just, just, just a great teammate. And, um, you know, just, just, you know, just trying to capture, capture what he was in, in some stories is really difficult to do, but, uh, you know, wherever he went, 
a good time followed. Uh, I just remember times in the locker room, um, you know, Arch, Demir, and Lucas were inseparable. And, and those three guys were, were always uh, bantering back and forth, and, and players would just sit around and listen to those three talk. And uh, obviously Demir, uh, being from Bosnia, had a, a real strong accent. Uh, and Lucas and Archibald had him down to a T. They could, they could imitate him and talk just like him. Uh, would have the team roll, and, and Demir would say, you know, you, it sounds nothing like me. And he would, he would go in every day and say, you guys sound nothing like me. And, and, and Arch, Lucas, and Demir would, would video t- or would record three of them saying the same sentence into a recorder, and, and they would take it up on the bus trips to the coaches in the front and, and the coaches would have to try to decide which one was Demir's voice of the three voices. <laughs> and it just, it just had everyone dying. And it was just, uh, you know, good times, great time. Uh, just, just unbelievable teammate. Well, Lauren and I both covered him uh, as he played here and have stayed in touch with him over the years, but he was one of those guys kind of like yourself that as media people, you figure out who you, you'd like to talk to and, and who you can get good comments from and good interviews from. And he was one of those guys. He had a unique perspective on life and a, and a, and a unique way of, uh, of talking about things. Yeah, absolutely. And people gravitated towards them. And uh, I, I know, uh, I mean, you guys can attest to it more than I, you know, the media loved him. And there's a reason because he gave honest answers. Um, you know, he didn't give you player talk or coach talk. He would, uh, he would tell you the way it was. Um, he had a great personality. He would give you time. Uh, you know, it's so important. Uh, you know, I know in your guys' profession that to get those stories and to get those uh, sound bites, and, and he would give you those those sound bites. He would give you the stories. He would give you time. So he respected everyone. And uh, I know Derek Burson uh, loved working with him, and Ken Brown loved working with him. Um, you, you know, they they would they would run right to Arch uh, if they needed an interview. And you know, no one likes talking after losses. No one likes talking after tough defeats. And and they knew they could count on him to. Uh, you know, to, to face the music after tough situations. And, um, you know, it just uh, just absolute stories in the training rooms. Uh, you can still see Rod Cardinal's face at times when, when they would be going back and forth and telling stories and, and, and Rod's trying to get us ready for practice and, and tape our ankles. And, you know, Arch would, would have us uh, just dying in the locker room telling stories. And, and, and Rod struggled to get through taping our ankles because he was laughing so hard. So uh, just so many good times. And, uh, you know, and then just the way that he played on the court, you know, that was a tough team. That was a physical team. Uh, Arch was the backbone of that team. And, uh, you know, the, he had so many injuries with his back uh, junior, senior year and what he fought through uh, to become the player that he was. And uh, I still remember uh, Bill Self, you know, just challenging him that first year that, that Bill Self got on campus and early in the season. Because uh, I know he saw the potential in him, and, and Arch didn't even crack the surface his first two years, uh, freshman and sophomore year. And, and Coach saw something in him and challenged him, and uh, you know Arch responded. The, the, the type of player that he became uh, was incredible. To, to go on and play in the NBA, uh, to have a successful career overseas, uh, to play in the Olympics, uh, he was physical. He was tough. Uh, if there was, he always had our back. If there was any kind of altercation or Anything in the game, Arch was the first one stepping in that had our backs, and he loved mixing it up because he knew that we were a tough team, and he he, he started that toughness. Uh, and uh, you know, watching his game, his footwork, his positioning, the way that he worked before the basketball got to him was it, it was beautiful. And, and he was a rough physical player, but the way he played was, was beautiful and fun to watch. 
Sean, uh, remind me, uh, I think the last time I saw him play was, was it for Great Britain in the Olympics? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yep. And I know he retired that, that year. I believe that was the last event that he did. I don't think he played any more overseas after that, but I know that was the year he retired, and I think he went out uh, uh, in the Olympics. And, and obviously, uh, you know, you can't go out in any better spot than, than playing in the Olympics. And uh, just, just an incredible career on the court. Do you think there's ever been a player that improved more than he did from his freshman year to his senior year? It's hard to find one. Uh, you, you can make a case. There's no question. And, um, you know, we had some really good players his senior year at that position. You're talking about Marcus Griffin. You're talking about Brian Cook. You're talking about Demir Kripalia. Uh, You know, Lucas Johnson could play the four as well. Uh, Serge could play the four. So, you know, that, that was a deep position for us. And so going into his junior year, the way that he was freshman, sophomore year, you know, were there going to be enough minutes to kind of go around? And, um, you know, he, he, he ended up being, you know, one of the, the key players to that team uh, those last two years of his career. And, um, you know, obviously wasn't the, the quickest, wasn't the, the strongest, wasn't, he couldn't leap the highest, but he made so much use of the tools that, that he, that he had and, and the footwork. I talked about the hands that he had and just thinking next play, uh, and then just improved his body throughout the years. And, uh, just, just an incredible jump that he made in those last two years. We're visiting with Sean Harrington, former Illini basketball player, now a TV basketball analyst for the ESPN network. Let's, we could come back to Arch if you think of something else, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the Illinois basketball team. It doesn't seem quite as important this morning as, as it might otherwise, but uh, the Illini have won five straight with a chance to uh, take over sole possession of first place. I know you've been watching. What do you think about the, this team thus far? Yeah, just impressed with the way that, uh, you know, they fought through some tough times, uh, you know, some road dumps early on, and uh, to be able to overcome that, um, you know, impressed with this team and, um, you know, and obviously just keeping with the theme of, you know, Arch and, and Illinois basketball uh, back in, in our day, it's, uh, you know, the toughness and you like to see that. So, um, you know, really happy to see that these guys have been able to kind of pull through and uh, lose some tough games early and, and a heartbreaker, obviously, to Maryland and then uh, be able to pull through and, and, and the ways they're playing uh, has been impressive and, and enjoy watching how hard they're playing right now. Do you have any feeling at all about uh, the incident with uh, Alan Griffin? We were talking about it before we called you this morning about the fact he's getting a two-game suspension now. Is that appropriate? I mean, is that too strong? Is that too weak? Yeah, I, I think um, probably because of what happened at uh, K-State in Kansas, uh, it maybe was, uh, uh, um, you know, may, maybe a little bit more extreme. Maybe that's stepping on someone, you know, the, the way that he did. Uh, it's probably a game suspension for sure, but I don't think two is too rough. And, and you talk about, um, you know, protecting players, um, you know, protecting the integrity of the game, and, and, and things happen in the heat of the battle, but obviously there's crossing the line in situations too, and, and Griffin definitely uh, definitely crossed the line in that situation, and, uh, you know, there's no room in the game for that. So, um, you know, I, I'm okay with the two. Um, you know, obviously keeping in ties with, with, with Kansas, Kansas State, Um you know, on that one, I, I'm really upset that nobody that came off the bench uh, got suspensions. And, and that, I think that's a way that the game has to be cleaned up. There's a reason uh, why they uh, encourage players to stay on the bench, because when everyone gets involved, that's that's when it gets ugly. Um, 
So that, that's what I think. Uh, looking at that incident with Kansas K State, anybody that leaves the bench should be suspended uh, for a game to set a tone, uh, if not multiple games. Um, if nobody leaves the bench in, in that situation, uh, the Sosa gets a technical, and the refs are right in there to break it up. Uh, if anything even happens, uh, and you play on, so it got ugly because everyone left the bench. So um, you know. You know Everyone's got to be held accountable. I think coaches have to be held accountable uh, for that their actions as well. Um, but, but definitely, there's nothing uh, there's nothing in in our game uh, that shouldn't be in our game right now. When you start talking about uh, you know fights and and stepping on players and, and things of that nature. We saw now without uh, without Griffin, it looks like this is a, a big game for people like uh, Nichols coming off the bench and Feliz. They're going to have to get and they got to avoid fouls because they can't afford to get in foul trouble like they did. In the in the last game, when Georgie sat down after four minutes at Purdue, they need uh, they need to not foul and they need to get strong play off the bench, don't you think? Yeah, obviously you're down the man, so it's next man up, and I've uh, you know that that happened early in that Purdue game, so they they were able to weather the storm there uh, and play obviously one of their best games of the year. Uh, Mackey's a tough place to go into in the way that they dominated the the second half. Um, you know everybody stepped up, so uh, you're going to have to see that type of performance again. Uh, from those guys this afternoon, and um, you know they, they're playing well, so they they need to continue that momentum and not let um, you know that's be a distraction, be an issue that you're down a man. One question about Michigan: What do you see? They they seem to they they dropped four out of five, and this is a team that won some big games early and looked awfully good. Uh, uh, what has happened with Michigan in your view? Well, obviously losing Livers, uh, you know, is the Livers, key to yeah. that team. It, yeah, you lose, you lose a guy like that, and um, you know it's tough to overcome. Uh, you don't know his production, but uh, now, now they're trying to learn to play without him uh, a little bit. And, and obviously, the Big Ten is really, really good this year. Um, so there, there's there's a fine margin for error in every game. Uh, a lot of close games right now. Everything's going down to the wire, and really difficult to win uh, on the road. So um, you know, Michigan's a dangerous team. Uh, they're a very good team, uh, but but they lost probably their best player. Uh, Simpson may be the most important player on that team, but Livers may be their best player. So you, you lose your best player, you're going to struggle. you got to try to find ways to figure that out without them. Uh, and, and then just the grind of the Big Ten right now is difficult to go through, and they're, they're facing that. Another minute or so with Sean Harrington. Uh, you mentioned, and you know firsthand, how tough it is to win on the road in the Big Ten. But have you ever seen anything, at least through the first half of a Big Ten season, about the home court uh, dominance that we were seeing this, this year? Yeah, no, I'd have to look at the stats to see how glaring it is, but obviously it's it's, it's glaring right now, and I know it's uh, I think it's probably close to 80% maybe home teams are winning, so I know that's extremely high. Um, you know, how is that over the years? I'd have to look at the numbers a little closer, but, um, you know, I don't think people around the country know how hard it is to play in the Big Ten night in and night out, and it, it's, it's sold-out arenas, it's tough crowds, it's tough environments, it's intense fan bases. It's really good teams. It's really good coaches. So um, it, it is a grind. And you start talking 20-game schedules, that is a long season, and, and, and they're in the middle of it right now. And, uh, you know, we always had the formula, if you wanted to win a Big Ten title, uh, you had to defend your home and you had to win half, uh, you know, try to get half of your road games. And, and that would guarantee you a Big Ten championship. And um, so that that still holds true to this day. And um, obviously uh, – uh, Illinois has got a couple of road victories, have no blemishes at home yet, so they're off to a good start and have to try to keep it rolling. Well, maybe they could pull one out today for Robert Archibald. 
No, that'd be terrific. And, and, and you know, Arch is watching over us, and, and you know, it's really sad, but but obviously uh, a lot of fun just talking with teammates of memories and and stories, and um, you know, just just what a great teammate, and uh, you know, the time that we had with him was was the best, and and we miss him, no question. I know you had a heavy heart, but I appreciate you coming on with us. No, thank you, guys. You bet, Sean. Sean Harrington. You can follow Sean at SM Harrington on Twitter at SM Harrington. Sean Harrington, former Illini basketball player, working some television games for the ESPN network of uh, broadcast affiliates. Let's go to back to the phones and uh, say hi to Steve in Princeton. You're on the air with us, Steve. Sorry to make you wait so long, but uh, you're on right now. Well, I'm old enough and Lauren's old enough, but I remember that. Minnesota Ohio State game with Luke Woody, that brawl. Oh yeah, I got that one Kansas too. Yeah, State one. I remember that one and how, you know, that. But here, forty years later, we're still dealing with the same issues and stuff. But I remember how bad that one was. Yeah, Ron Behagen, remember that? Yep. 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 Dave Winfield was and in I'm that game sure too. Yeah, he was. Were. I'm not sure what the punishments were when that was handed out, whether they're suspensions or should have been what, jail time on that one. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then the second one is I was watching the Indiana game last night and Bill Rafferty or Wisconsin game, Bill Rafferty was saying that when did the handshake start after the game? He said, You've competed, you've played hard against each other, there's been some chit chatter going on. He said, as soon as the horn goes off, the players go to the locker room, the coaches shake hands, and it's over. But he said, when did this handshaking thing have to start? And I'd like to ask Sean if anything good accomplishes come out when the team shake hands and line up after a game. Well, there's there's always a danger that something will happen there. But for the most part, it, it, it hasn't been a problem. But I don't know when it started. It's, it's, it's Do you the, know the year, Steve? It doesn't go back that far. I mean, it probably 10 years maybe because they didn't used to always do that no no i i but i sure can't remember yeah that's a good point who started that did the ncaa start that or who initiated that don't know it's a really good question yeah well we'll see if we can snoop around find that out so enjoy listening to you and have a good day yep thanks for the call appreciate it as we hit 8:30, WDWS Champaign Urbana, we'll take a time out and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS after this. Welcome back to the show. Moving up on 8:33, early edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until our game day coverage at 9:30 this morning. The Illini in Ann Arbor, Michigan today. Take on the Michigan Wolverines, the 11 o'clock rematch between uh, these two teams. Illinois won by nine earlier. Uh, I guess that game was in December, wasn't it? Back in the, the, the first two games. Yeah, of the, those uh, first two games. And Illinois needed this win. They, they'd already lost one. And they, you know, we were, I think we went into that game here not knowing what to expect. Exactly. Because Illinois had lost to Missouri. And, uh, well, no, they hadn't played Missouri hadn't yet. Hadn't played That's Missouri so, yet. Excuse me. They hadn't played Missouri yet, but. This was a team we didn't know much about at that time. And we didn't know much about them after they lost by 20 at East Lansing in Michigan State, and then they haven't lost since, so they're on a roll today. But they're a four-point underdog on the road at uh, Michigan this afternoon, that game 11 o'clock right here. We'll talk more about that as we move along. In a battle for first place, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? They're in uh, a lot of the bracketology experts 
field of 64 now. Well, this this would be a big one. You know, you and I were talking, and I, I think it's fair to say that we thought, boy, if we can get a split out of uh, games at Purdue and Michigan, that'd be great. Now we wouldn't accept that. <laughs> you know, now that you got one in, the, one in, the, in one hip pocket, you want to get the other one. Well, you can look at some uh, obvious changes to uh, what Illinois is doing. They've kind of taken the ball and given it to Trent Frazier, starting possessions. Uh, that uh, certainly helped. But the defense, I think, is a bigger story. They're well, holding uh, teams to 58 points a ball game in this win streak. Steve, when you start talking about things, it, it's everything. Yeah. Look, look at last year rebounding. Illinois rebounded, what, 14 out of 19, something like that, uh, in the 14 or 19 games. They, they've just done a tremendous job on the board. They're number two in the nation with 10-plus rebounds. Number two in the nation behind Houston only. That's really good because when you compare it to last year, look at the free throws given up, Steve. Last year, we, we gave up too many layups and too many free throws. We fouled too much and gave up too many layups. We're not doing either one of those now. So whatever you bring up, I'll bring up you know, two or three other things that uh, have contributed. I think it's, it's all the way around. And, of course, Iowa is playing much better. And Kofi is an enormous uh, uh uh, defender around the post. I noticed in that last ball game, some of those guys were going in there, and they'd see him in there and just turn around and kick it out to somebody else. I mean, he's a he's a force. After he blocks a few shots there, they're not anxious to go in there. And he's doing it. We've talked about this all along, and this is nothing new. This part, but he's doing all that without fouling, without yeah. getting into foul trouble. And that's really going to be critical today. He's going up against Teske, who's been really uh, challenged this year. I, you know, he. He gave up uh, 77 points in two games to uh, Garza. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of points, 44 and 33, as I recall. And uh, so he's, he, you know, he's, his back's to the wall, Teske. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game to watch. We'll talk more about that. As Kofi, by the way, had 19 and 10 against him yes, here he did. In, in the Michigan. Yeah. Teske, I was surprised. I'd seen Teske play, but I hadn't seen him play against Kofi. He's bigger than Kofi. I mean, he's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think Kofi's a little more skilled. Kofi's a little bigger, stronger, too. He is stronger, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Teske's taller. Yeah. Uh, interesting matchup today, one of several in that ball game. And Michigan is reeling. I was actually hoping Michigan would have beaten Penn State earlier this week. I thought so, too. I thought, boy, I hate to see him coming off a lot. That's three straight losses for Michigan. They're yep. due to win one. I mean, they're certainly overdue. And they've uh, lost four of their last five. And we don't know 100% that Livers is not going to play, do we? I mean, no, he's not supposed to play, but. He has a practice, so yeah, what is, I think it's a groin injury. Yeah. So I, apparently he won't be there today, and, and that's a big deal. You know, Brezdikas and Poole left early for them. That re I mean, you lose the coach beeline, you lose two really good, uh, in addition to Matthews, who was a senior and was going to go anyway, but they lost two guys that, that decided to go pro last year that I think caught them by surprise. I don't think they thought Poole would go, and I don't think they thought, but maybe maybe Brzezikas because he was getting, uh, you know, they were they were talking about drafting him and everything, and he 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 just one year, he's out from out of the country, and he didn't care about Michigan as much as he cared about making some money, but right. and I don't blame him, but uh, Howard has got – he was left with a, a part of a team. Got the phone lines open. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. You know, the uh, Pella Window Showroom is pleased to announce a relatively new product from Pella called Lifestyle. It's packed with innovation, including the option for their best between-the-glass blinds and shades with triple glazing. Pella Lifestyle has style flexibility with a wide variety of inside and outside colors – 
There are also performance options to improve energy efficiency and reduce outside noises. You can see that product at your local Pella Window showroom located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Window and door specialists can help you find the right Pella product for your home and your budget. So uh, stop by Illini Pella to see the lifestyle line of windows and doors at the Pella Window Showroom. They're located again at 1001 North Country Fair Drive, or you could visit them at PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary and his uh, group out there are open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Illini Pella, the Pella Window Store in Champaign. 838, we'll take a time out and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Eight forty one here on DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone lines are open three five six nine three nine seven. Illinois basketball today against Michigan. One of two games, just two games on the Saturday schedule. Nebraska plays at Rutgers coming up this afternoon at one o'clock. Illinois plays at eleven with a chance to uh, take over first place in the Big Ten. Lauren has been uh, doing his best to try to find out when the handshake in college basketball. Well, I can tell you when it started in general. Okay. Five centuries before Christ. But that was but <laughs> basketball was not uh, was not mentioned in that handshake. No, they didn't have, no, they didn't have any peach baskets, <laughs> so they couldn't play. <laughs> but people have been shaking hands for a long time. Long time, yes. But uh, not that long in college basketball. Matter of fact, but you, you know, you see the the lines in hockey. Thankfully, yeah. they don't do it in baseball and football, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they do it. They get, they get away with it in hockey because you'd think there'd be. Yeah, something. those guys are always mad at each they're other. They're ready to get started with something. Yeah. And you you came across something there that uh, that uh, was it the Illinois High School Association or, or Kentucky a, Kentucky High School Kentucky Association. Kentucky High School Association wanted to ban it, get rid of it. <laughs> So, well, I mean, and, and I just noticed that a, a game between Austin P and Vanderbilt, uh, the two guys got into it in the line. It's going to happen from time to time. You never know when. Right. But uh, things happen on the court, and then p- people say things. You know, I, I look at our guy. I see Io talking to uh, – not Io. I see Georgie talking to, to his guy all the time on the court. I see Trent is really jabbering. I don't know what they're saying, but, you know, it's not – are we going to go to lunch together? I've noticed that too, but I also noticed that they seem to turn it off pretty. You know, when the game's over, they seem to yeah, oh they yeah. seem to hug and you know, good uh, game and all that. Well, yeah, Georgie's as friendly as anybody right. before and during and after. <laughs> Although he fouls too much, but uh, you know, that's another thing. That, you know, for him to get in foul trouble after four minutes at Purdue, and for then you had the other problem. You know, we had the fourteen to seven lead, and it looks everything's looking great, and all of a sudden. They just come down and score, and then the next thing you know, Alan Griffin has his problem, and, and this game is 14-all, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, it's headed the other direction. But Illinois came out that second half and just, what, they hit 11 out of their first 12 shots? Indeed they did, 11 out of 12. And what they've kind of done in this winning streak is figure out a way to, to, to other ways to win games if you're not shooting well, because they have not been shooting that well all season. And, uh, yeah. But then on yeah. a night when you do, that's a bonus. Yeah, as, as we said a while ago, it's everything. The defense is better. The rebounding is better. The fouling is – they're making fewer fouls total in a ball game. And they're, they're not shooting great, but they're shooting good enough to get by. If you have any comments on this Illinois basketball team, what you think might happen today, give us a shout, 356-9397. We mentioned earlier that uh, they'll be playing uh, without Alan Griffin 
for this game and the Minnesota game coming up on Thursday. So uh, the rotations will change a little bit. Isn't it interesting, Steve, how, how down we were after that Missouri game? We were just Everybody was miserable after losing to Missouri a second straight time. And Missouri's gone south since then. They're, what, 9-9, nine and nine, losing game after game. And Illinois is, uh, you know, on a run. Yeah, wouldn't you like to play that one over again? Yeah, I would now. Of course, they haven't had Tillman for a while. He's been injured, and that's a big – and then Pickett just doesn't play like that against anybody else. <laughs> he just doesn't. Yep. Alan Griffin out for two games. Here's Brad Underwood on that. Well, it's playing, but we're not hearing it for some reason on this particular day. We're having a little board issues. I see it playing, but uh, not coming through. We'll get Blake, our producer, in here to see if he can help us out with it. In the meantime, give us a call if you like at 845-356-9397. Now we're going to try it, and I think we're going to have it. I mean, he's a 19-year-old student athlete. And, um, you know, the kids are in their formative years. And, I, you know, he, he, it, we put these guys, you know, we think it's all great. We put these guys in loaded environments and packed, packed houses and, and in competitive, competitive situations. And, and, and um, he made a mistake. And he, he, he understands that. And he's regretful. And, you know, that's why he, he went immediately after the game. And, and, and spoke to the young man, spoke to Sasha and and, and the Purdue team and, and apologized. I mean, he, he knew and he was, you know, he knows he let his team down and, and uh, but that's uh, it's a costly lesson. So now you start uh, thinking what uh, that means to the rotations. Here's what the coach had to say. No, I think it'll be a collection. I mean, you know, Tevian's going to get an opportunity to, to uh, you know, step in there and, and uh, you know, we may mean more minutes for some other guys, but... Uh, uh, you know, again, we got through it the other night, so we've got to, you know, we played three minutes. So, uh, you know, we have full game suspension, basically, uh, in the Purdue game. Um, but so he'll, uh, you know, we got through it, so it's not a, it's not a dry run. It's not the first time we've, we've played with, without him. And, and, um, but we'll, uh, uh, you know, we'll do it by committee. By committee. I find it interesting, uh, he, he just mentioned, uh, Sasha, that's the first name of a player for Purdue. And how, how many of these players with what I call foreign names do we just call them by their first name? We call, we, have we mentioned Coburn today? Nope. We've talked about Kofi several times. Have we mentioned Asumu? No, we talk about I, it, it, I'm, And I do it all the time. I mean, I just say Io, I say Kofi, and everybody knows who it is. But we, don't, we didn't used to refer to guys uh, – if their name was John or Bill, because there's too many Johns and Bills, I guess. Huh? We haven't mentioned Bashanosvili either, but uh, Georgie. We, we talked about Georgie. That's all. Here's yeah. what, what Georgie had to say about uh, the increased attention Illinois basketball is getting these days during this winning streak. You no, know, I found out that we was ranked from our Instagram page or like the guys we're talking about. So um, that is great. You know, that is great. The nation is seeing whatever, but that's not our goal to see all nation is awake. You know, that's not what we want, you know. I mean, that happens and that's great, but our goal is to win championship, you know, Big Ten championship, national championship, win every single game. I've been saying this since summer, you know. Our goal is to win every single game. That's our goal. That's how we approach it. And then everything else just comes with it, you know, the records or whatever, or the nation is waking up. That just comes with it. Our goal is to win every single game. Georgie Bashanosvili. Phone line is open. We have a call from John in Champaign. Go ahead, John. You're on the air. Good morning. 
Hey, I want to say something in defense of Alan Griffin, not excusing what he did. What he did was wrong. But what I saw in the replay and what I saw in the live action of the game was he had his back turned, and he was he the other player hit him from behind, and it wasn't intentional either. But I think he felt like he was undercut, and that's what triggered it. And he, you know, then turned around and took it out on the other player. But if you look at the replay, he doesn't see the contact that he receives, and I think he thought that something had happened that didn't. Yeah, he turned. He definitely kind of semi-spun around, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and the contact was from behind him, and I don't think he saw it. So Mm -hmm. I don't think, uh, you know, had he understood exactly what happened, it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, and, and, and he went off on it just thinking that a play had happened that was maybe not above board, and he was retaliating for that. You know, uh, the interesting thing about Griffin is he was playing really good for a while, and his two previous games to this, the two previous games, he just didn't do much. I mean, he was missing shots. And he got some rebounds, but he... Yeah, he, right. One He's game, there's one for eight, I think. Yeah, he, he, uh, he had three points in each of the two previous games, and he needs to score. That's what he does. I mean, you're not looking for Damani Williams to score. I mean, you know he's not going to, but he's not taking many shots either. But if if, if Griff gets in the game, he's going to shoot, and he needs to make baskets. To be yep, I got one other thing for you. Yeah. Go ahead. One other thing. Uh, you were talking about maybe who progressed as much as Arch in their career at yeah. U of I, and I could only think of one guy, and that's Eddie Johnson. Uh, when he came in, he looked like Mark Smith was head and shoulders above him in skill mm-hmm. and talent. And uh, Mark just never got better after he was a junior, and Eddie just, just went by him like a rocket. Yeah, but the difference there is that Eddie Johnson started as a freshman. I mean, he, he, I mean, he basically, Bresnahan and Cobb were the incumbent starters when Johnson and Smith came in, but Johnson ultimately beat him out. When, when Archibald was a freshman, he was barely, if play, I think he, one year he played 30 out of 32 games. I mean, he wasn't even getting in games sometimes. Right. Or, or he'd get in right at the end. I mean, but Eddie certainly improved a lot more than Mark over time. You're right about that. Great. Have a good day. Yeah, yeah. John, thanks for the call. Going to talk some more basketball. Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News is with us. Good morning, Brad. How you doing? Morning. How are you guys? Good. We'll talk about this game today, but first, I uh, want to get your thoughts on uh, the startling news yesterday of the passing of Robert Archibald, a guy that uh, you covered as well, as did Lauren and I, and uh, it just kind of puts things in perspective when you hear something like that, uh, a, a man uh, leaving us at uh, the tender age of 39. Yeah, I got a message from some of the, um, you know, some of the old players um, who were on, you know, teammates of his yesterday, um, early in the afternoon, and um, if, yeah, it, man, it, it hits you hard because, you know, if, for those of you, and I know you guys have, you met Arch, what a great personality, um, a great guy. I mean, always friendly, um, huge Illini fan. I mean, you know, just, he was always, uh, you know, he loved the Illini, um, you know, did some cool thing. You know, had a great, you know, great kind of career, maybe not like a huge basketball career, but since, you know, playing in the Olympics and things like that, you know, first Scotland Scottish player to play in the NBA, just, you know, and obviously his Illinois career really evolved and, and grew as a player and became his senior year. He was, you know, he's a very, very good player. So, um, you know, it's just, it's tough to, tough to hear that stuff, you know, because he's, he, he's so young. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's, uh, I've had so many people tell me, man, that was, uh, that group 
was kind of, you know, what what kind of made me an Illini basketball fan, you know, watching that group and, uh, you know, go, the group that went to the Elite Eight that year in uh, 2001 and stuff. So, man, it was, uh, it was, it was tough to hear and, um, you know, it was, it was hard to, you know, I, it's hard to process, I think, even today for a lot of people because it's just so, so unexpected. We had uh, Sean Harrington on early or on the show about 30 minutes ago to talking about him. And, of course, Sean played three years with uh, Arch, and he talked about the toughness that he brought, and he kind of paralleled it into this uh, Illinois team. Uh, uh, they're developing a reputation now for being tough. Uh, the Purdue guys talked about it quite a bit the other night after that game. Yeah, they have. They really have. Um, you know, that toughness is, you know, the ability to handle difficult situations, adverse situations, um, you know, out on the floor. Illinois has done, you know, the last few games, I mean, you know the the whole and we, you know I'm sure you talked about the Griffin thing. Um, the the really great part about the Griffin thing, although it's bad, it, it's great that the other guys. You know, the Purdue goes on a seven zero run, and, and at that time, and that you know they got all this stuff kind of going against them. But here's Illinois, and they you know you you thought maybe other teams would have lost it at that point. Illinois didn't. They they stayed stayed uh, true to what they were doing. They they battled through it, got to halftime, and then kind of and basically blew Purdue out in the second half I mean just dominated the second half so um that's that's a sign of toughness um the the end of the game at Wisconsin the ability to make shots the ability to be in the right position defensively all those things are you know just to stay focused mentally when you're going through a difficult uh difficult in a difficult environment or going through a difficult time things aren't going your way is really uh that's that's the toughness that they, they've shown so it's really impressive well, tell me what's the difference between this uh, Michigan team and the one that beat Gonzaga, eighty-two sixty-four, beat Iowa easily, beat Creighton, beat North Carolina, beat Iowa State. What's the difference between this team and and what we're seeing right now? Well, it basically comes down to shooting. Um, you know, it sounds sounds simplistic, but uh, when they shoot under thirty-six percent from three-point range, they're two and six. Mm. Um, when they make thirty-six percent or more, they're whatever the rest, I mean, they're, they're good. You know, so, uh, um, so, uh, then they're, I, when they're, their four worst three point shooting games are their own four, uh, one of them being Illinois, uh, you know, down in Champaign. So, um, when they've, I think they, I don't think they've won a game unless they've hit at least 30% from three, I think is the, the number. So, um, but yeah, so it comes down to shooting and, and obviously with I, the livers kit out, um, he was, he brought a big, you know, big chunk of that shooting. And, um, so now, He's, uh, you know, without him out, it, they you know, can't really space the floor as well. It's harder for Simpson to have room to operate and things like that. So um, I think that's a big, big part of it. Now, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, Illinois really made Simpson a scorer last time and didn't help off and tried to make him score. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do today, if they change that or would they do the same, you know, same thing. I think they've so. got to do the same thing because Wagner can hit and Brooks can hit, but I don't see them getting their shot on their own, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you got to take. You got to yeah. battle Simpson, obviously, and he wants to go to the right and he wants to shoot that little s- short hook shot. But uh, uh, yeah. you got to guard Wagner because he he's a deadly shooter. But I don't think he contributes otherwise. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, no, I, I no, I agree. I think you know Simpson as a facilitator is scary. Simpson as a scorer, you kind of live with it a little bit. You know, let him get let him get his points, but don't let him get everybody else involved. I also think early on, you know, I mean. People didn't, you know, there's not as much scouting. Um, and, and as you go, get in the Big Ten season, I mean, they, they scout and take things away. You get those early season games, not non-conference, especially a new coach like that. They haven't, you know, they haven't seen a lot. So um, it makes it a little bit easier to, you know, you don't have to 
be quite as good with your um, you know, with your execution because it hasn't been scouted as well. And so they, they, they didn't know this guy could shoot as well as they could. And then so they got to make adjustments and um, quick turnarounds in those tournaments, that, you know, where it's just kind of, you know, day after day after day, it's hard for, you know, to get the, the extra, you know, day of prep and stuff. So, so I, I think that all ties in, but I think, you know, injuries and then uh, also, you know, it's, it's the big 10 too, where, if you have a bad night, you're probably going to lose. I mean, it just basically there's not an easy – you don't have many easy games. You saw that when, uh, you know, Northwestern goes into Indiana and Illinois and battles down to the wire in both games. And, um, you know, the, and they're considered, you know, the bottom – the 13th or 14th team in the conference. So, it's um, – that that's the way it goes, I guess. In the Big Ten, every game's going to be a dogfight. I'm going to talk coaches here. I'm going to talk beeline to Howard, and his beeline is – is Howard the right guy, number one? Number two, is Beeline uh, uh, happy that he went to Cleveland? I, I can't. I, I think Beeline wanted to try the NBA, but I, I just don't. How can he be happy? I mean, all the stuff you've read about him and the, the struggles and yeah. different things uh, that he's had to go through. And, you know, the, the articles written about how they don't like, you know, he's a college coach, he's this and that. Um, here's what I know about John Beeline. He's a fantastic basketball coach and basketball mind, and he does a great job. So, I think obviously going to to Howard, it's a it's a little bit of a downgrade in that regard. But uh, his recruiting, obviously, this his first recruiting class here is fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's probably I think it's ranked ahead of Illinois now. So he, with his latest commitment, so you're talking about a great. You know, I think he's going to do a good job of um, recruiting, and and you know now he's got to kind of show what he can do. I I think he'll be the I think he'll do a good job. Now, will he be John B. Lenning? Take him to you know, final couple final fours. I, I I don't know about that, but he's a. I think he'll do he'll do fine there. Another minute or two with Brad Sturdy from Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News. Yesterday, uh, speaking of news, Khalil Whitney, who at one time had Illinois in his final four of uh, schools to consider before picking Kentucky, announced that he is leaving Kentucky. Any update on what he might be doing? He he didn't say he was transferring. Uh, maybe that was carefully stated that he's just leaving yeah. Kentucky. I think he's got a lot of options, you know, in the sense that I, I, and that's just me. I don't think he doesn't seem like he'd want to. He, I guess he'd already played at Kentucky this semester. There's a lot of, you know, intricacies they're trying to figure out whether or not he'd be able to transfer now and then play next December, you know, go to school now. And um, whether he, or could he get a waiver if he goes in the fall? Um, you know, it, I know Illinois, DePaul, Seton Hall have all been mentioned. And then, of course, you've got the, and he could go pro. I mean, you know, he's a, He's a kid who could just, you know, go work out this spring, uh, possibly, you know, go pro and get get some good workouts and see what happens. And, you know, maybe he gets taken in the second round. I think he's a kid with the talent. He was a first-round grade going into the season. Um, it hasn't worked out for him in Kentucky. Um, but, you know, he's a kid that somebody in the second round probably takes a flyer on and says, hey, you know, this guy had a ton of talent a year ago. What changed? You know, he still has the talent. Now it's, you know, finding out. Maybe, in, maybe he ends up in the G League for a year or two. But, you know, it's pretty clear he's got the athleticism. He's got the some some skill and things that uh, he's got to kind of figure out how to play and you know how to how to fit into uh, a system. And that, that's been a struggle for him thus far. Good stuff there, Brad. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Hopefully thanks. Hopefully, Illinois can get a hopefully Illinois can get a dub today. So already, we'll see you soon. Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News Rivals dot com. Here on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, top of the hour. Let's go back to the phones. Marty is with us. Go ahead, Marty. Hey, Steve. Hey, Lauren. Question. I, I missed the first part of the show. What was the cause of Robert Archibald's death? Do not know that. 
that uh, has not been revealed. Uh, we just don't know. I'm just, that's unbelievable to me. He's too young for that to, to go. Um, question, uh, Brad Underwood's son that's on the team, is his name Tyler? Yes. Is there some way that Josh Whitman, I, I heard on one of the network broadcasts of an Illinois game that he had a son from, or a, his son had a friend from elementary school who skipped a couple grades because he was so darn smart and was a big analytic whiz who came to visit this last spring and started getting into the numbers and and uh, found out that teams that make the NCAA tournament, over 90% of them lead the country. You know, they have a, a low quartile in terms of fouls and in terms of layups, easy baskets given. And that that had as much as Kofi did with changing the Illinois defensive setup. And if that's true, can Josh Whitman find a way with the administration to get that kid like an honorary doctorate or something? <laughs> think that could be done? I don't know, but you're, those are right. Those are two areas where Illinois was not very good. Yeah, and uh, it's turned around. Uh, any any news that you guys have heard on your end of Scuttlebutt on uh, what the Cardinals are going to be doing uh, into the season? Not really. We're going to have Tom Ackerman on here in a few minutes from KMOX. Um well, then I'll, I'll get off and call back. Well, we're going to be pressed up against the clock, but uh, oh, I think I can ask the I questions know. you might be thinking about. <laughs> well, uh, is there any question about um, which, which guys are going to be competing for the outfield jobs? Uh, is there any thought that there's still some stuff moving around on Arenado? I suspect there's not. And remember, a couple weeks ago, I told you I thought Ozuna was going to go for a one-year deal. Remember that, Steve? Sure. Well, that's yeah. all he had to offer. <laughs> he didn't have any choice. Well, no. Uh, according to some people, he had some multi-year offers, but he w- wasn't at a, a low annual value, and he didn't want to go that low, uh, from what I heard, anyway. From my scuttlebutt on my end. I got nothing to do but listen to too many talk shows, Lark. Well, okay. We appreciate it. All right, you guys make it a great day, and let's see if Illinois can get a win, and I agree with you. Let Simpson try to score with that little hook shot all you want and keep those three-point guys off the line. All right, Marty, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. 9.02, we'll take a break and be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. No. 9.06 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you. Until the bottom of the hour, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Talked a lot this morning about uh, the passing, sudden passing of former Illini basketball player Robert Archibald. Sean Harrington uh, visited with us a little bit about that. Uh, Brad Sturdy as well. Certainly some sad news heading into uh, a big weekend of Illini hoops, Illinois and Michigan today with uh, first place on the line. Talked to uh, Brad Underwood about that, uh, having that at this point of the season as a carrot to, to uh, take over at least momentarily first place in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, you know, I, these guys have worked their tails off. And, and uh, you know, we've gotten a couple of nuggets. We've gotten a couple of great road wins. And, and we've, we've instilled uh, and, and created a, 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 a mindset of toughness. It's not going to be any easier anywhere, anywhere else we go. But... Uh, um, you know, to be at this point and, 
you know, in a, in a spot where we're now where the, where the hunted is something that, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've, we're excited about. You know, it's nice to see your name on the bottom line and, you know, people talk about you a little more, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the, the mantra that we have in our locker room, everyday guys, and it's about staying focused and staying committed to that. And, and uh, all we can do is, is control ourselves and, and um, you know, how we prepare every day for, for the next game on the schedule. Coach Underwood mentioned that uh, the Illini are now the hunted, not the hunter. Kofi Coburn gets that, but he likes to look at it the other way. Coach emphasizes that we're, we're, um, we're the hunted, um, but I don't feel that way. I feel like we're still the hunted because of our mindset and how we go about playing the game. Because we're more, we're the more aggressive team. Every time we come, we come out, we try to attack, we try to go at it, we try to throw the first punch. So I think we're still hunting. We're, we're trying to get to the tops. Io is a veteran. Um, Trent, um, they know what it is and they know what it takes. And I feel like they come out here every day and they see what we're capable of. So going into every game, they make they make it known that yo, we're the better team and we should go out there and throw the first punch and be the more dominant team. Kofi Coburn. You know, uh, you mentioned. Illinois six and two. They've got twelve games to play. Let me tell you what twelve games oh, is. Oh shoot! In nineteen forty nine, was the year I was born, Lauren. When Dyke Edelman was the was the uh, captain of that team. Osterkorn, Erickson, Green, Sunderledge, Marks. They played twelve games, Steve. They played. They were ten and two that year. The previous year they were seven and five. The previous year eight and four. What I'm saying is, twelve games was an entire schedule in those days. And now it's 20. Who's gone up eight? And it's good. I'm glad they have. I'm glad they've gone up because I don't. I, I think it makes more sense to play conference games than all those meaningless non-conference. I agree. Games. It's still unbalanced. Well, yeah. With 20. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't guess there's a way to balance. No, when, not when with 14. League, when you get a league that size. Yeah, it's just too many teams in the league. That's you beat each other up too much in that case. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, you know, this is a long grind. And Illinois could go a lot of different ways between now and the end of the season. That's an entire season coming yeah, up. And a lot, uh, a lot of other teams could go the other you ways, bet. too. Let's uh, go to uh, Chrysler Center in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Doug Altenberger standing by for a minute or two with us. Doug, how you doing? Hello, Doug. No, we don't have Doug. We'll try that uh, momentarily. We'll take a break and be back with more on a lot of Ipella Saturday sports talk coming up after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. With you until 9.30 this morning. A lot of game day at 9.30. Illinois basketball on the road at the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor against the Michigan Wolverines. That game tips right here on uh, the Fighting Illini Sports Network at 11 o'clock. going to talk uh, some Cardinal baseball with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis, who is in Terre Haute on a basketball assignment. But we'll get around to that. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm all over the place, aren't I? we got the NHL All-Star Week going on in St. Louis, and I'll be back there tonight to take in some of the all-star game in fact i was texting with my wife she's like all right let me get this straight so you are doing, what are you doing now you doing a bat you got a basketball game and then you're going to go to the all-star game and then uh we'll, and then we'll catch up with you a little bit later so that's uh you know that's part of the gig i guess and we're talking baseball which the cardinals just had their big uh convention in town and i had a chance to travel around with them a little bit so yeah what'd you learn been, on that uh, it's been some months you learn anything big what, uh, what the, well, how's the outfield competition going to be <laughs> 
Well, I mean, the outfield is is less crowded than <laughs> it was about a week ago because they traded Jose or two weeks ago they traded Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena. They've traded Adolis Garcia. Um, I guess there's a little more clarity there, but it still has a lot, uh, you know, to prove. And one of those names I think that they really are intrigued with is Tyler O'Neill. They love Tyler O'Neill. They think that his uh, power and his ability to do damage is, uh, you know, there's there's a ton of potential there. In fact, John Mozeliak told me that, if he gets 600 plate appearances, this is a guy who could hit 40 home runs. The problem is he might strike out almost, you know, 200 times. I mean, he, he's he swings and misses at a lot of bad balls, and I think he knows that that is an issue. The other player that has phenomenal talent in the outfield is Harrison Bader. He is an elite defender. He is going to win Gold Gloves in this league, but he also chases bad balls. He's he's you know, a fastball hitter, you throw him breaking stuff, he can't get it. So they those two players need to improve in that area. The other outfielders, I think, do have a lot of upside. One of them uh, is Lane Thomas, who showed power and the ability to run around in the field and make good plays. He's a very well-rounded player who I think is a real threat to grab one of those spots. We know Dexter Fowler currently has one of those spots. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the potential of a player like Justin Williams, uh, who had a very good finish at Memphis, people don't know a lot about, but I'm telling you, this, this kid can hammer the ball. He's got a really good stroke. He, he can hit the ball a long way, uh, I think has their attention. And that leaves one player that everybody buzzes about. He's a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. He's only 21 but he has all the tools to be a star in the major leagues, and that's Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson can play left, center, or right. He can hit from both sides of the plate. He's just a well-spoken individual. He's the son of a baseball coach. He flat gets after it, and I think he has everything you could possibly want in a baseball player. The question is, will he start for the Cardinals? Because you need to play every day if you're Dylan Carlson. They They don't want a player like that sitting on the bench. They want him learning and playing every day. And I don't know the answer to that yet until we get to see him a little more in spring training. But last spring training, guys, he was absolutely phenomenal, and he had a great year all year. Uh, and should we just drop all consideration of Arenado? No, I, I would not drop consideration for that. I, I think that Arenado is not happy with his current situation, and unless the Rockies fix that, I think he is going. There's a good chance that they could open up some trade talks again and he could end up going somewhere. So the Cardinals and fans are going to have to show some patience here. There's obvious interest in Arenado. The question is, what do you give up for him for two years or seven years? Because he has an opt-out in his contract after two. And the Rockies could, could bring him to spring training and work him out and see if they get off, and he'll see if they get off to a good start. And it's possible the Cardinals could see what they have and whether their offense right now could take care of business. And if they need a bat, could they grab him by the trade deadline? I think that's possible. So I, I think that it's, uh, it, it's hard to do because we want – Nolan Arnott is one of the best players in the game. I mean, you want him right now. You want to know that you have him right now. But it doesn't work that way. I think there's a lot that has to be sorted out. It's very complicated right now especially what's going on in that organization in Colorado. 
where he was very vocal, at least through text messages, about his discomfort and disrespect that, that was happening there. So we'll, we'll see how it all sorts out. Tom, I want to throw you over to, to Missouri basketball real quick. What's happened there? I know that Tillman's been out with an injury, but they look like they've, they're a bit of a slide. Am I right? They are in a slide, Lauren, and, and, you know, I think I watched their game against Alabama where the game just got away from them, and, you know, that, it's it's hard to put a finger on it, but they got beat uh, by giving up 84 points and whatever the final total was, 84, 86 points. It's too many. And this is Conzo Martin's team is about defending and, and playing 40 minutes of defense and then creating offense out of it. And I think that's been an issue for them, for sure. I mean, I like watching Drew Smith play the transfer from Evansville, but he can't do it all. They've got to get some scoring elsewhere. Mark Smith has had some days where he's the leading scorer. They've had, you know, some tough play out of uh, out of some of their other, uh, you know, Javon Pickett comes to mind, a player who can really bring competitiveness and toughness to the team. They have to have it across the board. They've got to be able to defend, and and that has been a bit of an issue for them scoring also, you know, after they put 91 on Florida, they completely disappeared in their next game uh, against Mississippi state. It's just, it's, it's a very inconsistent team. What's ha- what's happened attendance the, wise, uh, Tom? Uh, not great. No, it's not great. And, and, you know, I, I think that's a, an issue too. You know, they play Kentucky when they, when they play some of those teams in the past at home, they'll, they'll draw big crowds. They need some. Uh, they need just some life. They need some. They need a string of wins. They need some hope for the fans, and and I think that'll bring it back. Visiting with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Back to baseball in a moment, but uh, you're a, a Big Ten guy. You uh, graduated from Indiana, so you've been following Big Ten basketball for a long time, and Illinois basketball as well. And I'm sure you probably heard about the, the sudden passing of former Illini. Robert Archibald, who played his senior year of high school in St. Louis at Lafayette High School. Any thoughts about uh, Archibald? Uh, did you get to know him at all? I did not, but uh, it's so sad at the age of 39. And I'm just very sorry for, for the Illini family and for everybody connected to him in St. Louis. It's, uh, it's a very difficult thing to go through, and my heart just goes out to the family. You know, I... I uh, I can't even imagine, and you know, for those of us who who have lost people uh, so young, and and anybody who's been through that, it, nobody should have to go through that. So that one, that's a hard one, there, Steve. Uh, and and uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about everybody. I thought about uh, everybody over in in Champaign, and as soon as I heard the news, so my heart goes out to you. Appreciate that. Um, when you go to spring training coming up next month and you uh, focus a little bit on the, the pitching rotation, what do you see there? Do you see Carlos uh, Martinez getting a shot at uh, starter's role? Well, he wants it, you know, and, and he says he's 100% and he's ready to be a starter, so we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that physically it's going to hold up uh, his arm and his shoulder. He, he looked pretty good last year. Now, he had some adventures at closer, but I think he liked it. He's definitely a competitive guy, and I think that you know he was locked in a lot of times because he knew on any given day he could be the guy. As a starter, 
he's completely motivated right now, and his agent. They've they've also you know everybody has told the Cardinals this is what he wants. He wants to get back to being a top starter in this game, and that's a good thing. I mean, if, if Carlos Martinez between the ears is focused and ready and wants to get this thing done, then that's a good sign for them. But they should have some backup. I mean, I I talked to John Gant. Uh, who everybody just sort of pencils in as a middle reliever, he told me, I want to crack at that rotation. And I think there are some other young pitchers like Daniel Ponce de Leon. I would imagine he'd love a shot at the starting rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals and then a few more. So, you know, he'll have some competition. It's not given to him, but he needs to show them that his rehab went well, That and the rehab basically was he received a PRP injection, so it's not like he had any, any you know, major surgery or anything, but he's had some, he's had some procedures done and is ready to, to build up some strength and, and get back after it and be a starter. And I think that's encouraging when one of your best pitchers at one point, he, this guy was the ace of the staff. If he's telling you that he wants to get back to that and that's his sole focus, then that's good. You mentioned some adventures in the bullpen. He's had some adventures in early innings too, when he, uh, when he started <laughs> like the, like the first inning. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What about Alex Reyes? Yeah, I mean, I think Alex Reyes is some of the same stuff there, but he's run into some bad luck, and he's had so many injuries. Now, one of them he inflicted himself, where he punched a wall after a bad start. I mean, that can't happen. But some of the times, I mean, I remember covering some of his rehab stints, and he looked so good, and then suddenly an injury would creep back in. And, you know, Alex is to me, becomes a reliever. I don't know that I can go down the road of of having him start again based on his injury history, but I I would never doubt it. He wants to be a starter. I know that. He'd like to be a starter. He'll accept any role they give him, but Alex would like to be. That's good. But, I mean, I would like to take that one a little easier based on his injury history. I think as a young man, he's definitely matured and he's focused and he's ready to roll and he's super talented. I mean, this this was, you know, you look at Jack Flaherty now, that's what they thought Alex Reyes would be. They thought Alex would, would be the breakout star in Major League Baseball, which Flaherty has become one of those. So you just uh, you hope, and that'd be, it'd be a nice little bonus, wouldn't it, that Alex Reyes suddenly locks in and becomes the great pitching prospect that they all thought he would be. Now you have another weapon. Um, but until you see him out there, I don't know. And I'll give you one more who is starting to throw lightly, which I guess means he's throwing like 90, is uh, <laughs> Jordan Hicks. <laughs> so, you know, Jordan Hicks is coming off uh, Tommy John, and he is he's dynamite, man. And what a great kid he is. And, and if you can get him back, I would say, middle of the year, then your closer potentially is back you know, rolling, throwing triple digits in the second half of the season, that would be amazing. But that's, you know, again, there's another pitcher who it's sort of a wait and see. But those are are three really good ones I just told you about that have question marks on them, Martinez, Reyes, and and Hicks. If if all three of them came through, the Cardinals are going to be very, very tough to beat. They're going to have to score runs. Don't don't get me wrong. But they are – they are are doubling down on pitching and defense. That's what they think they're all about. 
Tom Ackerman, KMOX. We'll talk about those topics and more when you get down to spring training uh, in uh, the weeks ahead. We appreciate your time. Have a good broadcast today on that uh, Bradley and Indiana State ball game. Thank you very much. We'll be on uh, Fox Sports Midwest, NBC Sports Chicago, wherever you can find us. We're excited to bring it to you and, and looking forward to it. Good luck to the Illini today. Okay, Tom. We'll talk Thanks, to you Tom. soon. See ya. Illinois and Michigan today. Lauren, some uh, thoughts. You were going to be back with us here on uh, Illini game day, but uh, well, Illinois going in as a four-point underdog. Yeah, well, I think it's a home court the thing, and, and Michigan is overdue, of course, and Illinois has got to come up with another strong game. They've been very good at closing tough games, and I don't know if, you know how long that can last, but it's been awfully good. Io's been awfully good late. Can he keep on doing that? He'll, he'll get a chance today. That one game last night in Big Ten play, Purdue bounced back with a win over Wisconsin, 70-51. to A win today for Illinois would give them sole possession, at least for the moment, of first place in the Big Ten. Thanks to our guest today, Sean Harrington, Brad Sturdy. We also heard from uh, Georgie Bashanisvili, Kofi Coburn, Brad Underwood, and Tom Ackerman. Fighting Illini Game Day is up next right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Have a good weekend, everybody.